Rewind. This is Dope Nostalgia. Hello, welcome to Dope Nostalgia. I'm your host, Naomi, and my special guest today was a member of The Wild Strawberries, a Canadian pop rock band that did awesome things in the 90s and still continue to make beautiful music to this day. I'm going to give you some information so you know all about Wild Strawberries in this Wikipedia moments. Wikipedia moments. Please bear in mind that Wikipedia is not to be taken as actual 100% fact. Any donkey could edit it at any time. If I'm reading you the artist's bio, that stuff is real truth. Wild Strawberries is a Canadian pop rock band consisting of a married couple, Roberta Carter Harrison and Ken Harrison. They have released a number of albums, their latest being Dear Post Haste that came out in 2020. Wild Strawberries was established during the couple's time at university, during which they would hold jam sessions with friends. In 1988, the band submitted the song Crying Shame to Toronto radio station CFNY for its new music search contest. It won the contest and received airplay from the station. Harrison established a studio, enabling the band to produce its early releases independently and led to the founding of the Strawberry Records label. The album Grace drew the attention of record label A&M Records of Canada, which would distribute the band's next release, the album Bet You Think I'm Lonely. The success of Bet You Think I'm Lonely resulted in a national concert tour and a contract with Network, a Vancouver-based independent record label, for the production of their albums. Two albums were released under that label. A third album, Twist, was initially sponsored by Network, but creative differences resulted in the disillusion of the partnership. The success of Bet You Think I'm Lonely also earned the band a 1995 Juno Award nomination for Best New Group. Other early hits for the duo included Life Size Marilyn Monroe and Crying Shame. The song I Don't Want to Think About It is part of the soundtrack of the 1996 film Foxfire. Other songs by the band have been included in the soundtrack for the films At Station Farm, The Highwaymen, Sir of Echoes, Suspicious River, and Universal Soldier 2, Brothers in Arms. Roberta and Ken are still making beautiful music today and dabbling in all kinds of genres, including electronic music. So let's let Roberta tell us what's been up with Wild Strawberries. Welcome to the show, Roberta Harrison. So once again, welcome to Dope Nostalgia, where a podcast that talks about what people did in the 90s that was huge hits for them, huge hits all over the, the country, North America, the world, and what you're up to now as well. So if we go all the way back to your guys's meeting and inception, Wild Strawberries, you got together in university in the late 80s? That's right. That's right. Um, It was probably... 89 I, I'm really bad with like historical dates and stuff but uh we got married in 88 Ken and I and I do not remember knowing anything about this as as part of my future at the time mm. <laughs> so I'm gonna say like by 89 I think we put out our first cassette in 89 mm -hmm. um again it's a bit of a blur but you're right <laughs> late 80s that's close enough at this point who were your musical heroes and influences at the time so when I was a kid, I just really wasn't exposed to a ton more than AM radio. I knew all the pop, you know, hits of, of AM radio at the time. Um, was it 680, I think? 
AM 680. Anyhow, when I started dating Ken, and again, we met young, high school, fell in love, started dating. He started exposing me to some really cool stuff I hadn't heard of. Like I fell in love with Jane Sibbery, mm. Elvis Costello, Kate Bush. Um, and it just sort of opened my my world up. Um, I had also dabbled a little bit in Christian contemporary music because we were a church going family. So Amy Grant was a huge influence on me. I still adore I love her. her. I fell down an Amy Grant rabbit hole just a couple of weeks ago. I just, I adore her. Oh, she's so great. So the she was me a, on album. Yes. Yeah. She's amazing. And she's such a cool one. person. But anyhow, yeah. once I started dating Ken, I was exposed to some cooler music. And so that had some influence on me. Um, Sinead O'Connor was huge, huge mm-hmm. for me. Wow. That's pretty cool. Like, I don't hear much about her anymore. I know. Yeah. I think she's had, it's been not an easy, not an easy time for her um, personally and um, in the industry, but I do adore her. It's a rough industry and it hadn't been kind to her. I I do remember some of that time, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're making your, you said you released your first cassettes yeah. around that time. We were still studying at, at U of T and we had, um, Met up with uh, some other some other guys at at university and friends from our youth uh, to form the band and made a a little cassette. We um didn't like you couldn't do artwork as easily as you can now. Obviously, everything was pretty analog, so mm-hmm. we just painted strawberries on the cassette covers for each cassette. And there are pictures, and people still say, "I remember coming to your house and painting strawberries on your first cassette." Like, so every cassette was different, individualized by one of our friends or family. That's really special. Yeah, it was fun. I hope there's still a lot of people who have those copies. I hope they're out there somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then the first song I remember hearing from you guys was "Heroin." Okay. Yes. So the cassettes I'm talking about way predate way that. Way before that. Yeah. 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 Uh, we had had some success with Crying Shame with the help of CFNY out of Toronto. Mm-hmm. We worked life size Marilyn Monroe to radio independently. Uh, my sister and I were just calling stations and pretending to be like marketing people and got that going. And then we signed to an indie label to release. Um, uh, it was before Bet You Think I'm, no, it was called Bet You Think I'm Lonely, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. They put an EP out first, maybe. Again, it's all a blur, but mm-hmm. Heroin was with Network Records. So I think that's like maybe 92, 93. You'll have to mm-hmm. fact check me. Um, yeah. 94? I don't want to think about it. I don't want yes. to think about it. Was that also yes. during the Network time? That's right. Same album. Yes. Mm-hmm. We had had, I don't want to think about it on one of our first indie records called grace and we redid it i believe again mm-hmm. if ken were here he'd be like oh my goodness you're so far out <laughs> so far from that's okay. but, but that's my memory that's my memory it was on an old old recording of grace and then we redid it with network and um sarah mclaughlin played guitar and and, and it was just really exciting and fun they really it, rocked it out it sounds like it's one of those songs that you know you really believed in and that's why you brought it back to make sure that it still got its yeah. due. That's right. You know, I, I like that. I like that story and getting involved with network obviously probably is the catalyst for getting together with Sarah McLaughlin. I'm imagining. That's right. That's right. I think the connection was her keyboard player at the time, David Kershaw. I'm, I'm almost sure of it because he, um, offered or agreed to mix. We'd already recorded the songs for the heroin record. 
Mm. He uh, remixed, added some new tracks like Sarah's guitar. He had me re-sing some of the vocals and then mixed it. And, and that's what we presented to network for them. Um, and they decided to sign it. Yeah. So that was great. Was it a good time during the network days? Yeah, it was really fun. It was nice to have a team behind behind the project. That mm-hmm. was super, yeah. And playing on Lil- Lilith Fair, that's a hard one to say. Lilith mm-hmm. Fair, I think maybe four, four different summers. We got to play a few, a few gigs each summer. So pregnant and then breastfeeding baby. And then, you know, just all through the, all through the progression with our first, uh, with our first kid. Wow. So were you on the road parenting? Yeah. So that, um, was doable with one, uh, she's just turned 25 and she was on the tour buses and the whole deal. Then we had number two and we went out on, I think one tour. And then we realized we, it was no longer as doable. We had like a nanny with us, usually a relative or a close friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Ken decided for a while, why don't, why don't I stay home? Ken stay home with the kids. And instead of my keyboards, we'll just hire another guy to play like an extra guitar line or keyboards or whatever. I think it was mostly guitar. Um, and so we tried that for a little while, but it really wasn't the same without him because he's so integral to the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were just the kids, the first two were just sort of the, at the point where we felt like, yeah, we can maybe leave them at home with my parents or again with friends and other relatives. And um, we had just booked a tour. I was doing press really not feeling well and then found out I was pregnant um, and I had been sick with the first two pregnancies, but I was really sick this time and then found out it was twins, which explains why I felt so crappy. (laughs) So that tour was off. I was in bed um, just trying to survive that pregnancy and take care of the first two kids. And, and so, you know, they're amazing. They're 17 now, the twins, um, but it was a hell of a ride. (laughs) I can't even imagine what a balance you had to strike there. No kidding. But uh, yeah. Wow. Congratulations on being able to get it all done. I think that's just (laughs) so inspiring. Thank you. During (laughs) those years, we just, we could not think about touring. We did Mm. still try to put a couple of wild strawberries records out, but they were a little bit few and far between. And we mostly did this stuff with our, um, with EDM um, DJs and producers, because we could literally write a song, record the vocal, send it off and be done with it. You know, they, they do the legwork, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally I would have to go and um, perform live once in a while, but it was, you know, not that often that it became a problem. Like scheduled, sh- like yeah. one-off shows. Exactly. Yes. Well, tell me more too about Lilith Fair, because what what kind of like memorable experiences did you have in those performances? Um, Obviously doing some touring of North America at that point. Is there anything that stands out to you from those days? I think the overall memory, again, is just like the the community, the um, camaraderie, the like all the bands you know, again, I'll, I'll be terrible at remembering names, but it didn't matter sort of what sort of status people were at. Everybody was just really welcoming and helpful. And, um, you know, I, I sat beside Cheryl Crow at press conferences. I, 
I ate in the tent with the cowboy junkies. Like it was just like, it didn't really matter. Um, everybody was just there to make music um, and to have fun playing with each other sometimes. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was just a blast. Were there jam sessions? Yeah. So we often would get on stage at the very end of each show after Sarah finished her set. Um, mm -hmm. So she would welcome everyone from, from that day onto stage. So that was, that was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember it being, maybe we did um, Joni Mitchell put up a parking lot, whatever that's called. Mm -hmm. I think we did a Beatles song a couple of times. Um, Sarah would pick and we would all just gather around the mics and, um, and, and blast it out. And so that was really fun. I think yeah. Sarah joined us on stage a couple of times. Um, but I think that was it for me on stage in terms of collaboration. Mm -hmm. um, but everyone was really kind backstage, watching each other's shows as much as they could either nice. in the crowd or, or from side stage um, and just supporting one another. That's really exciting. Yeah, it was great. And it was so motivating for women, you know, yes. I just, I, I hope that she put something of that caliber together again one day. That'd be amazing. Even, even if it's not her, if, if, you know, yeah. somebody gets it done. performances like award shows or much music anything like that um, yeah we I don't know that no I don't think we ever performed at much we we were interviewed a few times um went to some of the MMVA shows I I don't think I ever presented there I have presented at a couple award shows but I don't mm -hmm. I don't remember specific details um one show that really stands out and we were driving all night from somewhere else. Maybe we were up in Kingston or Ottawa playing our own show. And then we got to open for Alanis Morissette after she'd already like gone crazy, crazy wild with um, Jagged Little Pill. So we were the first opener. And then I think Fronte was on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dinosaur Jr. And then Alanis, there might have been one more band I'm forgetting. But we were at the very, very beginning of the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I think there were, I don't know. Is it possible up at Molson Park near Barry? I don't know if there were like 40, 50,000 people, 60,000 people. So they clearly mm -hmm. weren't all there when we started at the beginning of 
the day. But mm-hmm. as we got on stage, that's when they opened the gates. And so all of these fans, kids of Alanis were just like tearing toward the stage to get the best spot for her yeah. performance later. And it was just such a blast to watch from stage. Yeah, that was really fun. That would be surreal. That whole time was very surreal because I had been a fan of Alanis as pop Alanis. No way. Good for you. I didn't know her really. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like, much is playing this video and you know, you can't really see her because her hair is in her face a lot. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And just going like, what? Yeah. That's her? Quite a transition. Yeah. Did she have like a, a game show or something? Did she host some sort of game show on Canadian TV? She was a cast member of You Can't Do That on Television. Oh, okay. That, that okay. show that was kind of like the Nickelodeon show where you got slimed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fun, fun. But yeah, she she was that. Uh, but yeah, no, it was so empowering too because her album, that Jagged Little album, every song is Amazing. incredible. Yeah. It's right? a great package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, how did things start to change for you guys after you had hits on radio and, you know, the songs were getting out there and well-known? Yeah, I mean, we got better shows for sure. So, you know, um, that that was really great. Um, started to play to more people, which is always fun. Um, I mean, occasionally we would hear ourselves on the radio in the grocery store. I mean, it's sometimes I'm, I'm taking piano lessons as an adult and um, my piano teacher just last week said, Oh, I think I heard you when I was shopping last week (laughs) and it's still kind of fun. Like it's, you know, oldie goldies at this point, easy listening, but um, people still hear us out there, which is kind of fun. I'm pretty sure you're still in rotation. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit Some of the older stuff. Um, So yeah, that's kind of fun. I don't know how much, actually changed um that's a hard one we moved out um to the country to this little converted church um built a studio and raised the kids out here so i mean not that we were massively famous my my minor minorly famous in canada small small fish in a small pond but um we did want to sort of pull the kids away from from that whole scene um yeah and we've just raised them out here in the country and it's been really fun, really good. They all want to go back to the city, of course, as they grow up, but. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. I remember that as a kid trying to get, into, we were in small town, Alberta, but trying to get into Edmonton as much as possible. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow. I love that you live in a converted church. I was already admiring the ceiling and the architecture yeah, around yeah. you. So the idea, and it didn't always work out, but the idea was we put this big, the glass window down to where the the living and dining room area is, because then we could record up here and be working and still see the kids, make sure they're not killing one another. But it rarely, <laughs> it rarely worked that, that we could be up here when, when we didn't have help to take care of them. But, you know, it was good, good effort. No kidding. It's beautiful. Thank so- you. So then the Junos best new group nomination in 1995. Yes. Did you go to the ceremony and everything? Yes, we did. And you know what? That's where we met Dave Kershaw. I'm pretty sure from Sarah's band. And so maybe my timeline is very wrong. Maybe network is, yeah, network's more like 96, probably. Mm. See that? Our first was born in 98 and we did tour with her when she was like six weeks old on Quiver, which was our second 
network mm. record. So maybe heroin is like 96, but yes, we went to the Junos, um, hung out with, with Dave Kershaw, Ashwin Sood, um, Brian Minato from Sarah's band. And mm. it was, it was a really fun night. Hamilton. Uh, I think we were in Hamilton that year. Yeah. I feel like the Junos didn't start moving around from city to city until like the two thousands. I know, but isn't that weird? But I think we were in Hamilton yeah. again. Makes sense. hundred percent need fact checking. It's, it's a blur. <laughs> Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Let's watch something as a casual movie review podcast starring Anthony and Jack. Everyone loves hearing industry professionals talking about their craft. That's not us. We're just a couple of movie lovers. A couple of nerds. Talking about movies. So come join us on Let's Watch Something. With Anthony and Jack. Anchor.fm slash LWS. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's watch something. Let's watch something. Let's watch something. Let's watch something. There are lots of teddy bears, but only one Teddy Ruxpin. Hi, my name is Teddy Ruxpin. Hi, Teddy. Your friend is what I'd like to be. He's alive. How does he do that? He's a magic bear. One day, we found an old treasure map. The treasure was supposed to be... My friend Teddy Ruxpin. Teddy Ruxpin comes with storybook and cassette. Other stories sold separately. Batteries not included. What album uh, are you most proud of from that era or what or were you most invested in? So first, if I can answer with one that's not in that era, 
we might've made it eight or 10 years ago called Vesper 50. Oh, I know for a fact, Ken was turning 50. So he just turned 58. So it was eight years ago. <laughs> um, there's a lot of Ken and I singing together, which is how we originally started um, in the early, early days on our, our first release carving wooden spectacles. And then in grace, we both sang quite a bit. So mm. Vesper 50 is a, it's a beautiful record. No one's heard of it, but it's lovely. And we sing a lot together. And that's one of my favorite of all the records we've ever met mm -hmm. made. But I think of, of that era, the network era quiver, although it didn't get the attention heroin got, I'm really, really proud of quiver. I really like it a little heavier, a little darker. Um, but yeah, it just fit the mood at the time. If you could pick an album track or a deep cut off Quiver that you wish would oh. have been the single, what would it have been? Oh, which I wish would have been the single. I think we released Trampoline, which has got an amazing video that our our videographer, Lisa Mann, made. Um, and I was pregnant then, and we were trying to hide it, not always successfully, but we had body doubles to do like acrobatic work behind behind me to look like me like they wore the same outfit I wore and that's clearly not me doing the backflips but oh, wow that was released so that's not the right answer oh <laughs> I'd have to have it in front of me to see um and again they all blur together but I think there's one on that album called I know you're gonna break my heart could mm -hmm. it have been a single probably not but it is just heartbreakingly beautiful. Like I didn't write those lyrics. That was Ken and my understanding. He's not here to defend himself, but he wrote that when our first was born. Um, and it's just so poignant and beautiful. And it's that idea of like, you're holding this new life and you are like, you've never felt so much love for another being, but knowing that it can't stay that way forever, you know, um, that that's human being is going to grow into their own person and have their own, um, you know, personality traits and belief systems and life, and you're going to love them in a different way. But it was just, I mean, it was really kind of sad, but so beautiful. Um, and I think that's actually been in a small indie film mm. recently as, as the outtakes, because um, Ken didn't choose it for the movie, but he was doing, he was composing the soundtrack for the movie and the director chose, um, I know you're going to break my heart for the credits. I have a Wikipedia here on the side oh, to see. I know there it's you. not the most reliable source of information, but that's why it's <laughs> on my side to see if there's any info on that. It does talk about some movie soundtracks, but it doesn't mention yeah. that song in particular. Okay. Yeah. I think it's on the credits. Mm -hmm. um, maybe if, if he gets back shortly, we can ask him what it was called. Okay. We'll keep that in, in the side yeah. for him and see if he Sidebar. <laughs> Before the world turns cold No, it's gonna hurt like nothing I have known I know you're gonna break my heart I think about it when I hold you 
closer than I ever thought I needed to. Time turns your smile into a stone. I don't wanna see it, and I know that I'll never know this place we're living. Do you gonna break my heart long before the world turns cold? I know it's gonna hurt like nothing I have known. I always want to know from people what songs they really believed in. Yeah, most, yeah. You know, not just what the record company wanted to put out. Sure. Yeah, I'd have yeah. to look at the titles again and put myself back in, in that place. But, um, I think you see, and then after we left network, we put a record out called twist and we still made a video for mm -hmm. mirror mirror, which I loved. Mm -hmm. um, but by then, like, it is pretty hard to get radio on your own. We did it with life-size Marilyn Monroe when we were totally indie, but mm -hmm. I think cause no one had ever heard of us yet across the country. I think, you know, when you're the new kid on the block, it's a little bit easier sometimes to um catch people's attention depending um, on the station and yeah yeah so after we left network i don't i wouldn't say we've had a ton of radio we did we did get a song called thousand kisses out there on adult contemporary um and that was from twist mm -hmm. and that's a really pretty song too and then we had wrong to let you go which is another whole crazy story we got that on canadian radio through warner um, we just released one song with Warner because it was a collaboration with one of their artists named Robert Michaels. Okay. And so Warner promoted it, got some radio for us. And then that's how we got into the EDM world. Mm. Warner sent it to DJs just to get a mix for the clubs, just another way to push the song. Um, and ATB in Germany said, I don't want you to pay me to mix this for the clubs. I want to take the song and make it my own, make, make it a hit, a single on my, on my album. So he released it and it was a hit. It went to number seven on mainstream radio in Germany. Like it wasn't on the dance yeah. chart per se. It was like their actual um, radio chart. Does and that so let you go? That that's let you go. Yeah. So it was wrong yeah. to let you go in Canada and had flamenco guitar um, from Robert Michael. And then Andre said, no, I just want the melody and the vocal. And I mm. want to build a song around that. Um, and we had never met Andre ATB or his management. When I got a phone call saying, you know, we have this hit. We're, we're number nine this week, predicted number seven. I think the following week, we need to go on top of the pops. Can you come to Germany? Wow. And I said, well, that would be really nice. But I'm like literally eight and a half months pregnant. I'm not allowed to fly. Nice to meet you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any sisters? Well, I have three sisters, none of whom want to come to Germany and pretend to be me on the top of the pops. <laughs> but in the Whoa. end, my hairdresser, makeup artist, Pamela Neal, who's just like super uber talented. She lives in LA now and does huge artists like mm. pink and St. Vincent. And anyhow, in the time she, at the time she was in Canada and she, um, graciously agreed to put on a dark wig she has blonde hair and fake being me on top of the pops for the first 
um, single with Andre. And I did get to go back in person and do a couple other songs with him later on in, in the flesh. But um, the first one was Pamela and it's, that's also on YouTube. And that is a hoot. I was going to say, I hope I can find that on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's out there for a while. We lost track of it, but, um, and, and just so everybody knows, everybody lip syncs on the top of the pops. They don't want you to sing live. So she was mm -hmm. just doing what everyone does. It's not really Millie Vanilli. But I did get to sing live when I went back once, which was really exciting. <laughs> well, that's good. No, I've yeah. always understood that about Top of the Pops. Yeah. They require lip syncing. Yes, they do prefer that. <laughs> yeah, there's quite there's quite a few shows, I think, that used to be like that. Yes, yes. Yeah. No more naming names of them, but yes, there were yeah. quite a few. <laughs> I like yeah. to call them out. Um, do, have you always felt like a natural performer on stage, like it's home? Or do you get stage frights? I, I, I did not feel natural at all at the beginning when we first, we tried to busk, like the bare naked ladies were just like starting to become huge and they started with busking, right? This is around yeah. the 89, 89, 90 era. And so we tried to busk and it was a failure. I, I was quite quiet at the time and I just didn't have any personality yet. I mean, I had personality, but I, I wasn't really ready to like discover that and show it to the world. So <laughs> that was a bummer. We played in some small little clubs in Kensington market in Toronto. And I, I, I started to get more comfortable singing the songs, mm. uh, but talking between the songs was just a nightmare. I was terrified. So I started you know, memorizing poetry and reciting poetry. It was really bad. <laughs> and I was really nervous and had a lot of stage fright, but I did progressively get to the point where I would talk so much that Ken would say to the, to the drummer, like, start the song, shut her up. <laughs> stage banter terrifies me. I used to yes. sing in a rock band yes. and yes. I tried to plan out ahead of time things I was going to say. Yes. And it never worked out because you turn around and like someone had to tune a guitar or something. Yeah. You and know, then you like come up with something else. Yeah. How are you guys doing tonight? Nobody. Everyone's like, yeah, okay, good to the next song. And I'm like, do I need to be funny? I know. Like, or am I a stand-up comic? We toured a bit with Jan Arden, who is just the sweetest person and the funniest, as everyone knows now. But yes. at the time she was mostly doing music. Um, and she was killing me. She was so funny. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Like her just, I I love watch. I haven't watched her show yet. I actually I've watched haven't. some of it. It's great. Love it. I saw a fight scene. Was it between her Sarah and Sarah McLaughlin? McLaughlin? That's so great. It's so great. <laughs> I love it when, when they take the piss out of themselves and out of each other. It's so great. <laughs> well, what are some of the favorite things about your culture your Canadian culture and your country first of all what part you're in eastern Canada so are you yeah, not in Ontario outside of, outside of Toronto yeah okay. yeah born and raised we went to Toronto for many years and now we're sort of back out where where we were born raised yeah uh, yeah what are some things like if you were to bring a tourist somebody coming to visit you to somewhere cool that means a lot to you where would you take them huh well I would definitely love to bring someone like out here to the, to the country where we live um, and show them my favorite walk in the forest by the river where I take the dog every day. Um, there's actual beavers down there. I haven't seen a beaver, but I've seen their handiwork. And one of our kids saw 
the beaver once a few years ago, came running back home and said, mom, I saw a beaver. I'm like, no, no, you didn't see a beaver. We're, we're, we're in Southwestern Ontario. There's no way, <laughs> but there are indeed beavers there, deer oh. and all kinds of, um, there are bald eagles back there. So that's oh, one, cool. but I would also probably take them to Toronto or maybe Montreal, um, for some amazing, amazing food. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one really fun thing about touring was, you know, trying to find a great Indian restaurant wherever we were. Um, that's after I was done with the thrift store in, in, in whatever town we were in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I haven't seen much of Eastern Canada. I've been as far East as I've been to Toronto once. Yes. But yeah, have you, obviously in your travels across the country, have you been out to like Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We always loved coming West. It's a long drive. Like let's yeah. not kill ourselves. That is a haul. But we, once we got there, we always loved it. Some, you know, a couple scary times going through the mountains in terrible weather, but, um, mm. but always worth it. Treacherous yet beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Winter yes. time is rough, but. It yeah. is. But man, it's it's a real challenge. Being a Canadian artist is hardcore. You to travel this country in a bus I, or a van or I whatever. Imagine you're doing. like it's probably even harder now than 30 years ago when we were doing it, right? Just mm-hmm. just this, you know, the state of the music industry and the live scene. Like I hope it's thriving, but it, I I've heard that it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Where else has your music career allowed you to travel to? So, um, you know, Germany for sure got mm-hmm. to go to Poland, um, and Hungary, um, with, again, with ATB, um, and then some stuff in the States with the Lilith fair tour. And then a little bit more again with, with ATB with Andre, we mm-hmm. did a tour, I think it's 10 years ago now, 10 years this fall. Um, where even though he's a an electronic guy, he brought a live band and a bunch of the singers that had done tracks with him. And so we got to play in LA and San Francisco, Chicago and New York at really nice venues. And it was really fun. Um, and I hadn't, you know, been touring a ton for quite a while with all the little screaming humans in my life. Um, <laughs> so it was really kind of exciting to be to be back at it. Mm-hmm. Now, traveling to now, pandemic hits, you have an yep. album coming out that was Dear Post Taste, right? That's right. Yes. Now, did you release it before or after the pandemic? So we started, started just putting a song out every month during the pandemic. I mm-hmm. think that was in 2020, in just into 2021. And then we put it out as a package. It's the only one we ever put on on vinyl. And so I still slowly get orders every once in a while. Someone, someone, uh, orders one and I mail it out, but, um, we didn't tour at all, obviously. Um, and we really didn't do any promotion. Um, I don't know, you know, we still do lots of music. So Ken has, I think three projects with network right now. He's signed to network for lo-fi music, for piano music and for ambient music. Um, I'm still really busy with EDM. I have like, I think it's three EDM songs coming out on the 23rd of February. And that's 
that's my fault. I double booked or triple booked. I'm not supposed to do that, but three are coming out <laughs> on the same day. Another one's coming out in March and, and I've just written another one. So th- like that's still, you know, still sort of fumbling along. Um, whether Ken and I put another Wild Strawberries record out or not, I'm not sure what the future holds, but we're still going to make music. Um, we may try a project with um, a, a new name where where it's still my vocal and it's still Ken's amazing production and um, sort of ideas. But uh, I've been writing more um, with the EDM stuff, with the dance stuff, mm-hmm. uh, melody and or lyric, depending on the track. And I didn't really do that in the Wild Strawberries days. So we're sort of thinking maybe a whole new project um, and uh, and sort of a slightly different approach to the songwriting process. Yeah. It'll be exciting to see what your next steps are and what, what comes yeah. out. Where can people support the music that you have out now? So Spotify, Apple, um, we have, I think we still have a website. That's how someone uh, found, found our album and ordered it yesterday. So um, we still have wildstrawberriesmusic.com and that's where all the stuff is available. We have all the CDs in our basement. We still ship them out to people that still like physical product. I love but, that. But otherwise it's it's really like about Spotify and stuff now. And um, I know for uh, for his stuff with Network, Pantone VU is is Ken's um, lo-fi project with, with Ashwin Sud, um, uh, who we met through Sarah back in the day. They're really good friends and musical partners. So they do the the um, projects on at Network together. So Pantone VU and Tenic is the piano guy. And the ambient project is called NVLP, um, mm-hmm. like envelope or envelope. And it's, yeah, so that's, that's, you can find all of that on Spotify and stuff too. I think they have social media. I was just about to say like, I'm terrible with social media. I'm just too old. Uh, so, you know, I have a little bit of stuff on Facebook. It's so embarrassing to say the kids are, my kids are so embarrassed, but also they would be embarrassed. <laughs> you. If, if I was on TikTok, they would be even more embarrassed. So they're oh. like, just stay on Facebook, mom. You're fine. Um, but yeah, we really, we, you know, that all happened. And I was just like, if that, if that had been going 30 years ago, I can't imagine, you know, we had snail mail addresses for people and we would write a newsletter and mail it like stamp it and mail it every month and Mm -hmm. we lost track of all those early fans we did progress to email i gotta admit but there was no social media there was no way to sort of um you know tweet from the road or do tiktoks on the tour bus we had none of that so um We for sure lost, you know, some people are like, what? The wild strawberries are still alive <laughs> when when they do find us. Um, but, you know, we're just doing our thing, making our music and raising our kids. And it's 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 all good. It sounds like a wonderful time. I'm glad to have uh, learned all about what you've been up to. And it's it's wonderful. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, yeah. So nice to talk to you. Thanks for your interest and your time. Of course. Before I wrap things up, though, unfortunately, I don't think Ken's going to make it back. But know, poor guy. do you know what? He'll be like, huh, what a relief. <laughs> he can listen to it later. Yeah. And correct all the mistakes. Oh, that's funny. He should. <laughs> he should. He should be like calling in and leaving me a voicemail, uh, actually. And then we like intersperse that into the interview. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I corrected the network heroin era. I'm like, I don't know. Sometime in the 90s, we were with network. <laughs> 
That's all you need to say. Sometime yeah. in the nineties. It was so long ago. Like who really cares? <laughs> but before I leave you, I was going to ask you what kind of things like make you nostalgic for the nineties. We're talking about like a food or a fashion trend, clothing mm. item, toy. What was something that would bring you back? Well, I know that, um, the kids are glad that I kept some of my fashion from that time. Like it hasn't all worked out and nor did I keep it all, but I was really, really into fashion Mm -hmm. thrift stores. And I just like part of my stage persona was putting on a crazy snowsuit or whatever. Like I wore the, some, some crazy stuff and I kept some of it as much as I could. And so, you know, they've, they've been able to take the odd jacket or, you know, pair of jeans or something and work it into their own wardrobe and actually have like vintage nineties. Like it's vintage now. Right. I mean, even though it was vintage at the time that I was buying at a vintage store, it's really like nineties vintage now. And so, um, personally, I can't say that I'm doing much. None of that stuff fits me anymore for one thing. (laughs) Maybe I could go back to a thrift store and, and find my own take on it now, but, um, I don't know if any of that plays into my personal uh, fashion. I, I do love that our kids, like I have these John Fluvog boots that I wore everywhere. And our, our oldest is she just, they fit her perfectly and she loves them. And it's like, just, it's just like a huge gift and they were mine. So there's a little bit of sentimental value too, but it's more about the fashion. <laughs> That's sweet. That's yeah. sweet. I was going to say Oh, I can't remember much about thrift stores at the time. There were a few, of course, here, um, but yes. Le Chateau was a big thing too. Yes. I did some Le Chateau probably, yeah, very early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived in Montreal for a year. Um, and I remember going to Le Chateau. I don't know if it would have been in Ontario yet. Cause it felt kind of special at the time. Bought a dress for my sister's wedding there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did Le Chateau survive? Is it long gone? I think it's gone. Yeah. yeah. Last I heard it might be online still. Okay. Uh, not, not the same. <laughs> the same. That was fast fashion before we even had a term for it. Hey, mm-hmm. that was like my <laughs> entire junior high wardrobe. Yeah. I know that stuff did not last 94, 95. It was all, oh, that was all, like what I wore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, Roberta, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to oh, chat with you. Nice to talk with you too. Thank you so much. Social media, yeah, we've got it. Send us an email, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Twitter, Nostalgia Dope. Or on Insta, dope underscore nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.